0: hello hello
1: hi dan how are you hey what's up merlin how are you doing hello. way up there it's the San optimistic Francisco. day welcome to the tuesday edition of the show love mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. i'm here for mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. are you
0: yes i'm very
1: very yes. much here for it <laughs> i was there jack feeding you feeding you <laughs> um are so you doing you're doing well
0: I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I can't complain. I'm, uh, you know, Who'd listen. You know who would I mean? who would listen to the complaints even listen? even if they came in in mass in bulk, bulk, bulk?
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. I've I've got some things here. I've got some odds and sods. I'm, okay. I'm hoping we'll have an opportunity to return to uh, Synology corner. Nice. Um, you got anything uh, on your mind today?
0: Uh, Synology corner's been on my mind a lot. Um, but uh, open open your ideas. I want to I want to talk to you about this hotel room. Uh, things oh, like that. Oh, you're in a hotel room. But I'm oh, in a are hotel you? room, yes.
1: Oh, boy. Okay. I'm writing that down. Okay. okay. Um, um, so I can't. Did you, bring, did you bring wipes? Did you bring Clorox wipes?
0: I did. I brought two different ones. Um, <laughs> and uh, the one I brought the wet ones, which are important. And then I brought the regular Clorox. Let me see here. These are the Clorox to go pack. Clor- kills mm-hmm. cold and flu viruses, disinfecting wipes. Tolas disinfectantes fresh scent Ooh. fresco aroma
1: okay mm, linda
0: but there's only nine in here and i' I'm trying to ration them you know
1: i do i do um you know i I used to take so much pride in how minimal my packing could be, and I would challenge myself to need fewer and fewer things you know to, yes. to where... If I just had to go somewhere for a night or two, I could just use my backpack. And I, I can do that. I have a very large backpack. But, you know, a, uh, I think a f- sponsor of this show, Um, so our whole, whole family has those away bags now. Oh, yeah. And t- two of them in the carry-on size. And the latest one we bought is, like, the checking luggage size. Because I'm a checker. I'm a checker, Jerry. I check. Yeah. Not least because as I grow in my need to be the operations person for the family Uh i must have bladed things and heavy things (laughs) and you know so so, you know one of my tricks this is not you know i didn't invent this but one of my tricks is i have a banker's box in which i put all of the travel things that i will need every time including a never touched never used separate set of all the dongles and hubs and cables that i would need right right i got my dad hat my my dad hat for son i got my dad shirt for son uh, all the various cubes I'm going to use, and I keep that all in there so that I know that all I need to do is basically, if I dump that banker's box into this bag, like 80% right. of what I need is in there. I've even started- See, that's, like, basically that's just, the
0: genius part is that you don't need to go through, like on every single trip, you need toothpaste. On every single trip, you need- You'll
1: never, you'll never not need toothpaste. And right. for now, you'll never not need lightning cables and stuff like
0: that's that. that's right and if you have it mm-hmm. all and you don't and i know a lot of people who are like oh i'm going on a trip well i'll unplug my charger from the wall and i'll use that and i'm not saying everyone needs to go and buy a double set except
1: that everyone needs to go and buy a double set and you really you, need to go and buy a double set and, do. and have i've got to, i've got to, i mean i would actually this would be you know we should make this a topic to return to because okay. i've um i do think i can understand the game of wanting to pack minimally, yes. but if you are the operations person for the family, you know. I mean, I'm going to want a wine opener because I like me wine is my travel drink. <laughs> <laughs> Title: uh, Wine is my travel drink. Um, just, just, j- yeah. just, just to say, I've got one of those little. Uh, I know you're not. You're probably not much of a wine drinker, but uh, you know, uh, it's easy to get. You don't have to mix anything into it, and I like having wine while I watch TV at night. And with the family, and so uh, you you get one of those openers that's just like that little guy where you, you pull it out and then the you put it through the holder and it turns into the world's tiniest corkscrew, but you know TSA don't like that. Oh, so right. anyway, my, the case that I will make, and we should actually make this a topic, is that okay? So there's all of that. So I've got I've got the, the packing needs that you know you're going to need every time. You've got the uh, the operational part of being being dad. And then you've got just the like the chaos of trying to get a ticket for you. How do I put this? What you pack will be largely based. If you want to do carry on, well, first of all, you can't have a lot of that pointy stuff and sharp stuff. Yeah, right. Right. It's going to have to be in a bag, TSA approved stuff in a bag that will fit in the overhead, right? And remember, some people are bringing they got crates of chickens. They got a waterbed. They're bringing everything, right? (laughs) They got it all. And and so, and then, okay, the ticket that you bought, did you buy a ticket that will let you be in the first two boarding groups? Because if you're not in, and I'm not talking about the first class and veterans, thank you for your service. I'm talking about like, are you in like before group three or group C? Mm -hmm. Because there's a really good chance that you're going to have to gate check that bag. So, you know, like the most recent flight we took was on Alaska and even their, um, what do they call it? A uh, coach, even their coach tickets include one check bag for free, really? but I'm, I pop, if it's God forbid United or whatever, I always pop to check our luggage. It doesn't always work out cause stuff does get lost sometimes or mislaid or, you know, didn't make the transfer in time, but it's there's there's so much to all of this we talked about this on Dubai by Friday recently the like trying to get somebody's help in booking a flight like if you got an assistant it's all or no, I'm sorry we're talking about with uh Syracuse. talking about like what goes into like w- you know this airline unless it's this seat at this time to all those different things. I just think it's so much easier to have this large away bag that will accommodate everything. I could put it all in there, and I don't have to you know make dumb decisions. But let's, let's, you know, you know, let's, let's return to this because I, I think there's a case to be made. If you travel even a few times a year, it's so beneficial to know that there's a bag of tech stuff. And I use this little North face, you know, um, what do they call them? Uh, cylinder bags. Yeah. The
0: cylinder bags, the North face
1: makes them, um, Eagle Creek makes them. I've got those for every, yeah, I've got any, I've got, I've got, um, I've got a bunch of those that I use for one thing or another. Like one is just, uh, I have a red one of those, which is my, it goes in the backpack with me everywhere, you know, uh bag. Mm-hmm. I've got one made by Tom bin. Yes, that is Tom a gear bag, uh, like a mesh gear bag. That's always with me anyway. Um, let's talk about it next time. Yeah. I'm down, um, down we'll, for that. Let's see before. What did I have before we get to your hotel room? Because (laughs) that's a good opener. I want to hear about that. Yeah, I'm sure everyone
0: [SSSS1]
1: does. Well, I got boring stuff, but interesting to me. First of (laughs) of all, in show notes, uh, I I don't know how I discovered these notebooks. I feel like it was under, it was a recommendation from somewhere, and I don't know who. But I, I got one for my kid, and then I got a couple for me. It's this company called, so Design Work Sync. Design Works Inc is where you buy these. I guess you you're thinking, you you know, obviously—I I bought them from Amazon, but they're—they're they, they're called uh, standard issue notebooks. Can you see those in show notes?
0: Yes, I am just opening them up right now. I—I I am such a notebook nerd. It's you know I know there's a lot of pen nerds mm-hmm. out there. I, I'm—I kind of have a couple pens that I like, but the the whole idea of of notebooks I have so many notebooks and mm-hmm. you've helped me overcome the fear of writing in a notebook which is <laughs> right. know, um, the yeah. first page is profound type thing but yeah yeah for sure um, yeah, yeah just 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 Anytime I see a good notebook, I have to get it. I have a real, that store, oh, have, that again, store in Japan. I banker,
1: bankers. It, I collect them. I do. I collect comic books and I collect notebooks. Yeah. I don't, I have more notebooks than I will ever need because I like having them. I've got tons of field notes and no, it's just, it's a an indulgence that I have, which is that I just think notebooks are cool. Um, but you know, I, um, I, uh, I'm attracted to notebooks that have a light bit of structuring to them. Mm-hmm. There are some some that have like amazing structure, like, you know, the, um, Oh, what's the one cortex, you know, Mike and CGP gray put out this notebook. That's really cool. That's about, you know, basically designing the themes for your year and then executing on that. That's, I have one of those and I love it and it's beautiful, but I, I want, Somewhere between, that's at the far end of the spectrum. At the other end of the spectrum is like a blank, you know, moleskin. And I kind of like the idea of one that's a little, a little gimmicky, you know? Like, it's, isn't it kind of fun that the field notes have all of those, depending on the edition that you get, you get all those different, like, you know, uh, reference things. And I've always, you know, I go back to the data center and the Trapper Keeper. I love stuff like that. It makes me happy. And these, these are really nice, very well-made notebooks they're not, they're not super costly by, you know, nice notebook standards. These are, like, we're talking about 20 bucks here for these. And the ones that I, I'm, I'm um, these are uh, similar but different. This is uh, standard issue notebook number three, standard issue notebook number 12. Can you see those? Did you see those in notes?
0: Yes, I'm looking at them right now. Standard issue notebook number 12 green has a spiral binding, I guess you would say, and, and then yeah. uh, standard issue number three, three green wait that one was number 12 green number three green has a, mm-hmm. a different spine to different. it
1: yes very but both of them well especially the spiral one the number 12 it it really truly lays flat mm-hmm. and um like the oh gosh who, right, who are the right guys right. Uh, studio unique guys made that spiral notebook that's mm-hmm. really cool mm-hmm. uh, I like it totally are you are you is your connection okay you sound fine to me but is if it's good. bad okay, I good. can reconnect nope, with nope. you oh good um, so look at number twelve, uh, and look at that second image. Um, so this comes with this little thing that it's a ruler, it's a stencil, and it, and it can be a bookmark depending mm. on how you pop it into the spirals. Um, it can either be invisible uh, in the front or you know in the inside, or you can use it as a bookmark to like take you right to where you want to go. Now look at that page. That's a cool page. The mm-hmm. page at the top has the 12 months of the year and below that has up to 31 days. So, you know, the and and so you say okay, well today is November 19th. And then it's got lines, it's got a subject line, then it's got a bunch of regular old horizontal lines, but it's also got a bullet area. Now, you can get you can get silly and fun and use the little template to draw your own bullets and you can have a, <laughs> have a way to cross-reference what the bullets mean. But also, it's got very light, you can barely see it. But like the Studio Neat notebook, it's got very light horizontal hinting if you want to do draw your own grid mm-hmm. onto this. Anyway, I, I like stuff like this. I think it's fun. Um, I like that you can fold it over for like a much smaller footprint. It's got a, uh, the, in the case of the number 12 one, you'll see it's got a little elastic loop on the front if you want to put a pen in there.
0: That was a very appealing thing to me. And that's the thing is like a notebook is not very useful unless you have your pen with you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And and like yeah, yeah. anytime that they give you an opportunity to do that, I really like that. And this one, the number three is so much more appealing to me because... It just, it seems somehow more compact. I've never had good luck yeah. with the spiral binding ever in my life. Yeah. Like I remember they bend, being- They a,
1: bend real easy. They bend, you know, it gets bent and it's not fun to use. Yeah. Right. So as far as the number three, I would say the number three is the one I, if I were going to recommend, that's the one I'd recommend to people unless you need the the cute bookmark thing. Um, but if you're going to throw this into a backpack also, having the, the pen holder or pencil holder on the spine like that makes it a little easier to, you know uh, not hang up or, or, you know, so like right now my, my, my go-to day-to-day moleskin that I use, I just, I have a pencil that I just keep on the bookmark, like current page, but I don't know. I just thought I'd mention these. It, these are not necessary. You can do whatever you need to do without a special notebook, but if you are a notebook nerd and you want a little taste of the Trapper Keeper or, or the data center of days past, uh, these standard issue notebooks are really cool and they're available on Amazon as well.
0: Very nice, I like these a lot, and i I actually just got a notebook that I haven't been able to start using yet because it's uh, it's it's one of those sort of calendar notebooks and it starts in yeah. January so i'm I've been withholding discussing even mentioning it until I've had a chance to really use it because it does have some of those like I go back and forth between like you were saying a notebook that's kind of gimmicky I, I I like that way of describing it and I've been very much on the fence about those because on the one hand, If you sometimes I feel like I can never really get on board with whatever the gimmick for the way they want you to use it is like I've never Mm -hmm. been able to fully marry an idea like that. And then on the other hand, if I were to really like it, then there seems like there would be a huge chance that the company will go out of business and I'll never be able to (laughs) get it back again.
1: Well, and the other part of that, to be honest, and this is, this is going to differ from person to person, but you, you address something that used to be a huge issue for me, which is the like, okay, I bought this $20, 30 notebook and now I'm scared to write in it because it's nice. And like, right. what if I write something stupid in here? And it's, it's why people like, um, what's her name? Nat- Natalie, um, the lady who does the writing down the bones book, Natalie Goldberg, why well, she writes in like the cheapest spiral bound, like Snoopy style notebook that she can get at a drugstore. And, and she fills up every, every single uh, square millimeter of each page with scribbling. And it's, you know, it, she says that for her and the way that she thinks about it, her process, if you like, she needs to feel like there's no barrier to entry for putting words on the page or, you know, planning on the page. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting to me, like you have to find, on the one hand, you need the notebook that will accommodate how your brain works and that will encourage you to use it however you need to use it. That should go without saying, but I don't think it always does. So, what's not, what's funny is a lot of people are very intimidated by a blank notebook and a blank page, and so that's why I encourage people to write the first page is profound on the first page of their notebook because now now you've broken it in. It's like it's like when you smash the glass, you know, at the at the wedding, or the light bulb, or whatever. Um, so here's the thing, though. Like, so on the one hand, people will feel resistance. Or procrastination is another flavor of that. They'll feel resistance if it's too blank. But I I would say that you could also feel resistance if there's too much structure. Because now, you know, like what if you need what if what you need to do right now feels unworthy of that structure or feels that crossed purposes with that structure? So I say the first part is find the notebook you like. That I think the second part that is arguably the most important is to get a if you like a process that makes sense. So I have a process that I've used for years that I think I've talked about a little on here, where when I start a new page for a day, I split it up into like these sort of six sections that will vary depending on what I need to do today. But I basically create little areas where I can have a line for the stuff that I'm thinking about. Stuff that I need to do today usually goes in the top left. Stuff that goes on on the right sort of sixth of the page will be like, uh, might be errands or things I need from a grocery trip or something like that. At the bottom sixth, the bottom left, I usually do stuff that's on my radar screen, but I don't need to do anything about right now. And the lower right sixth of the page will be something like, might be just something like, you know, like a crazy idea or a lyric or, a, you know, a line or a title or something like that. However, however you want to do it is fine. But like, what are your six areas, right? Like, or or how, however you think about it, figure out, so that will work with any notebook. Mm-hmm. You're basically drawing one, two, three, four, four or five lines horizontally and vertically to create this, this sort of like ad hoc grid for what needs to happen today. I would, you know, before we all worry too much about the notebooks that we use, I think it is very valuable to think about like, how does this page accommodate the shape of your day today or mm-hmm. the week or the whatever, but like right. that's yours to figure out. That's fun. If you want to do the bullet journal and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. I think it's a little fussy. But, um, but if that works for you, that's great. You know, it's, uh, but you know, the, the notebook should serve you and it should be, you know, the, um, the servant, not the master. You know what I'm saying?
0: I do. And I love the way that you described your system, because that's the kind of thing I can really get behind because it's yours. It w- like you said, it will work. It will work in any notebook. It will work on a piece of paper if you are suddenly without a notebook. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, w- whereas when you become re- too reliant on a specific tool, Especially if that tool is something that could be taken away, lost, etc., then you know, then I, I feel like some of your effectiveness is taken away along with it. I feel uh, like totally, you know, like totally. if, if you woke up in a different city and all you had was the little notepad in the drawer by the Bible in your hotel room and a pen, you could mm-hmm. just you could create that grid that
1: you just described. Yes. You know, and, and that's mm-hmm. there's something special about that. I totally agree. Uh, thank you for saying that. And also, I mean, here's another way another way to think about it. This will not make a ton of sense to younger people, probably, but there's a reason that so many people, your and my age, can at least kind of fake their way through using vi, uh, because you know the thing is vi. I think uh, <laughs> isn't that the line? This no is it ed is the standard text editor, but vi is on almost every computer. Mm-hmm. Like if you need to do something with a buffer, like you can use Vi, yeah, And because like, okay, well, it's nice to have a, and it probably has Emacs, but like, if you, if you don't have your crazy Emacs configuration file, like you can still whack your way around. That's what we're talking about here. Like the, the paper is just paper. It's your brain. And as I say, the shape of your day that matters. So you want tools that will be portable or where you can sort of pick up you know wherever you are it's an imperfect analogy but i think it's really true let's let's look at it from another point of view if you have work to do especially creative work or even let's say technical work you shouldn't need to do some kind of a complex dance in order to get started with what you're doing you should be able it would be ideal more ideal to be able to pick up whatever tools are available and you know just dive in to what you're doing right um dan where would people find show notes for episode four five two of your back to work program
0: they can go to five by five dot tv slash b is in boys two is in the number w is in women slash four five two
1: four five two they never said they, they said emerald uh, will never do more than three episodes never Wouldn't do more than that? three yeah they said we um, imagine women. we imagine they said that i don't know if they ever said no, that i said that. that's that. what we imagine yeah i heard well, as long as we're uh, uh, here, I want to hear about your hotel room next. But uh, tell me about uh, tell me about something you like. I would love to tell you about native, native, native. Many
0: many companies are out there, and I've tried a million of them deodorants that you know they 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 make some kind of claim that they're amazing, that they're all natural, and you try them, and they they're they're junk, they're garbage, they don't work, they don't help you. Uh, deodorant is supposed to make you smell nicer and that's Mm -hmm. the whole point of it, but you don't want to be putting some kind of a chemical on your body every day. Uh, who knows what that stuff does and your skin absorbs stuff. So it's important to put on something that actually is natural and that won't hurt you. And that's exactly what native is all about, but they wanted to go a step further and they didn't just want to make something that was natural. They want to create a product that has good ingredients, but also has trusted performance. They want something that is going to, do its job so that you'll actually keep using it and um, what does that mean? That means there's no aluminum, there's no parabens, there's no talc it's uses ingredients that are found in nature like coconut oil and shea butter and tapioca starch which absorbs wetness and they don't test it on animals and all of that stuff because they actually care and they care about making a really good product and it really does work and this is the thing. A lot of people say, including me, um, that switching to like an aluminum free because, you know, everyone wants aluminum on their underarms. Who doesn't want that? Um, (laughs) When you make the switch to an aluminum free deodorant, you think, well, it won't be as good or it'll be harder to put on or whatever. I've been using this stuff for a while. My son stole it from me and started using it. So I had to get another And I've just been really, really enjoying this. It actually works. And they've got so many five star reviews from people talking about how it works. And the whole point is fewer ingredients, simple ingredients, know what you're putting on your body every single day. Um, They've got a ton of different scents. They're always coming out with new stuff. They've even got an unscented formula. They've got, you know, scents that kind of trend more masculine or more feminine and, and in between. And it's it's just great. Or like I said, an unscented is there too, and it still works. So you can check this out. Uh, They even have a special deal. They're so confident that it's a free return if you don't like it. Like they want you to be happy and they care about it. And so if you want 20% off your first purchase, you can go to Native Deodorant, that's spelled N-A-T-I-V-E, Deodorant, nativedeodorant.com, and use the promo code BACKTOWORK. When you're checking out, it'll support us, but it'll uh, it'll let them know you listened, and then you'll get 20% off your first purchase. And what I say is, you know, try this. Just give it a shot. You might find that it really does everything that your harmful, <laughs> maybe, deodorant is doing without the harm. <laughs> uh, so um, I think you'll like it. I was I was surprised. I was a little skeptical, to be honest, uh, but it, it's great. And so thanks very much to Native for making this show possible.
1: Thanks, Native. Puck, puck. Um... Dan, tell me about your uh, hotel room. What's going on there?
0: Well, you know, I, I did a full test of my mobile setup before I left. And, uh, and, and so that was fine. There was a weirdness that I resolved that was unrelated. But right now, the, the, I can't make the air conditioner stop. I can't make it stop. <laughs> it, <laughs> if, if I So right now, I think it's set to uh, like 70. And if you would think that, okay, it wants it to be 70. So uh, I'll turn it down a little bit to like or turn it up a little bit to like 71 and nothing changes. I turn it up to 72 and then it goes on full heat, high heat if I go to 72. Oh, there's and no
1: off. I there's see there's no saying. Off. there's no off. There oh, is a there okay.
0: is a um there is a button that lets you control the fan, but there's no off setting for the fan. It's either auto, economy, low or high. There is no heat, there is no cool. There is nothing else that I can do with it and uh, and so it's just running and before the show, I was trying. I was worried because I'm like, you know, there's going to be background noise. It's going to sound like an air conditioning running. And uh, yeah, but the, overall, the other otherwise, the hotel room is is great. It has did, everything. Did you, did
1: you try VIP mode? Did you, is it one of the ones that'll do VIP mode?
0: I didn't recognize this one when I was researching the options mm-hmm. for that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it later. But I last night when I was like, oh, it's cold in here, and I hit the up button it just turned off. So I, I don't know hmm. Merlin. I don't know, but overall well, the so hotel what room they, has what been they good. Say but, is
1: you hold down the, if it's the one that's in lots of hotel rooms, this is different from that one where you
0: hold down the two things. Um, display. Yeah. And then press. Okay. All this right. is not that I'll send a will send a picture to the, so the listeners can enjoy seeing my troubles mm-hmm. with this, but they also <laughs> did not have an ethernet Jack in the hotel room. Uh, so I'm over wifi, which I don't mm-hmm. like, but, um, mm-hmm but i I came very prepared for that, and also i um I, you know this is one of those things why I get angry at Apple because it a few years ago, Merlin, it was so simple I had just like you have your banker box mm-hmm. I had my equivalent of a banker box, which is a and you know if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes, but I have this sort of i don't know you call it a caddy or what you call it, but it's it's like a um For lack of a better term, it's a pouch or a a book-almost-looking thing that you open up, Mm -hmm. and it has little places, pockets, and things for you to put all of your travel equipment. And I used to be able to throw a set of headphones in there, and that set of headphones would work for my phone. It would work for my computer. It could plug (sighs) into my microphone. Because it had an audio jack. That's right. Everything had an Uh. audio jack. And so when Apple introduced this concept of uh, no audio jacks that everyone loved because it was solved with the amazing AirPods that fix everything. (laughs) Um, Dan said, I'm going to go along with this. I can use these AirPods with my computer. I can use them with my phone. I can use them with anything, but I can't monitor audio with them because they don't plug into your microphone. And there's a lot of other things they don't do. And so I made the mistake of changing out the kind of headphones that were automatically traveling with me wherever I went to be the lightning ones. And so now I'm using software to route your audio into my AirPod on the on the computer so that I maybe maybe Merlin's delayed. I don't maybe I'm delayed. I don't know. And also AirPods are not no old AirPods are not notoriously good at battery life, so I'm just using one AirPod so that when it starts to give me the message that it's going to be out of battery, I can quickly Swap in the other one and swap out I the other one. Oh, I hate that noise. Hate the noise. It's, a it's depressing.
1: <laughs> it is terrible. You should get the new MacBook Pro.
0: I would love to talk about that, but the last thing I want to say about the hotel room is I I follow the Merlin Man uh, hotel room. Uh, what's the word that you used for it? Where you come in and you it's not scouring, yeah. but well, I have my own. I,
1: basically, my my deal is I, I you take I, the stuff and you put it in a drawer. I put it in the if there's room for either in a closet or a drawer. Every everything that has writing on it, printing on it, um, so so all the things about saving the environment, you know, and how to get a hot stone massage, and how much the phone calls cost, or whatever. All of that goes in a drawer <laughs> or a closet, and right. uh, I move all that away. The for the uh, the the compliment, complimentary uh, fourteen dollar water that I don't want to pay for because it's not really complimentary. All goes in a drawer. Yeah
0: the um the thing here said on the bottle of water it said that it's complimentary for elite members mm. uh, and i am a member of the hotel organization thing that you know you signed the membership thing but i don't know if i'm elite and i think that's how they get you is is that's like, how they get you like yeah. 1% of of members are, have elite status but if you don't see the word elite then
1: you're like oh it's complimentary and you have it and then mm-hmm. like that was $18 that's- that is precisely how they get, that's an $18 water. I'm, I'm glad you noticed that because that, that's no good. That's too much for a water. But they have the size
0: of the TV <sighs> that they have in here is bigger than the size of the TV that I have my, bigger than my like five, four or five K TV that we have in our house that's that's big. And I'm like four feet away from it in the where, where I'm sitting to watch it. It's absurd.
1: Well, then I'm, I'll be curious to find out if it follows uh, my currently unnamed principle which is that the better the better the tv's services the tinier and crummier the screen and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Whenever i get in a room so often i'm in a room with like a 55-inch tv and it <laughs> like it's basic cable at sd. That's right. And often in the wrong aspect ratio.
0: Yeah. Like, I wasn't uh, explaining. I do have an adapter for the Macbook and this is a perfect segue to the Macbooks. I do have a um an adapter for the MacBook that converts the USB-C into a, um, in, well, it converts it into a couple different things, but one of them is an uh, HDMI adapter. And mm-hmm. so I always bring that and an HDMI cable, and then I can watch what I want to watch on TV oh, and nice. not have to worry about anything. So you can, I can pretty much anything that works in a web browser on a computer, or you could do the same for an, an iPad. I think there's a splitter like that for the iPads too and phones. Uh, but that's really handy when you're traveling. You can just plug it in, and now I've got I've got Plex, I've got Netflix, I've got Hulu, I've got HBO, I've got everything that I might want to watch. When you're you know sitting there at seven o'clock at night with four hours before you're ready to be tired, and you know crappy mm-hmm. room service, and you're
1: like, okay, I'm there's going only so much to. Guy Fieri that a person can take in life. <laughs> I feel That's like, so you know, it's like in, like, in, you know, like in Chernobyl where they give you the little badge and it shows you your exposure. You can only be up there for 90 seconds mm-hmm. and you could get basically a lifetime dose of radiation from 90 seconds of exposure like right. if you're near the big hole. Right. Um, I think we should have those badges for Guy Fieri. Where like they'll <laughs> basically, they'll let us know, oh God, uh-huh. oh God, you accidentally watched uh, Diners, ding and Dropouts or whatever his show is called uh-huh, or, uh-huh. or Gro- Grocery Chase. Or, or what one of his shows? Because right. There's always Guy Fieri on. He's he's like the corollary to like CNN being on in every airport. <laughs> Guy Fieri is running constantly in every hotel room, and we need a badge to let us know when we've had too much exposure to Guy Fieri. Mm-hmm. Guy Fieri, mm-hmm. Fieri, uh, Fieri. Um, yeah, I have a I have an HDMI bag uh, that I don't always bring. Usually in the past because I didn't have the room, but I need to start doing that. Also, my last trip I forgot to bring. The remote control that our, our uh, listener told us about. Remember we got those two oh, great yes. tips? Yeah. One tip was VIP mode for most hotel thermostats. And the other was, here's a $24 remote that's easily programmable. And so what I did was, I forgot to bring it, but I, I've, got, I've got a um, PDF of all the codes, like on my devices, on iCloud. And I cannot wait to try that. So so what this listener said, this is what, a couple months ago now, is that this is a remote that you can get for 20, 24, 25 bucks. And it's easily, quickly programmable to all of the devices. So you can get your own remote that has not been in a German's butt unless that's your thing. Right? right. You don't have to worry about that remote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a clean remote. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. And also, don't use a coffee maker. But I can't wait to try that. Um, yeah. I'm I'm so grateful that I don't have to travel as much as I used to. You, you know, were traveling a lot stuff. when we first started. I mean I I don't I don't wanna say every yeah. month maybe. Well, I mean it was a way to like, you know, it's to, a living. To, <laughs> to make money while I was not writing a book. Right. Um, but uh yeah, I I it's it's nice to know it's gotten so much worse, Dan. It's just all so uncivilized at this point. It's the worst. Ugh.
0: Anyway, traveling in I hope general, you make it or, through. or just traveling,
1: traveling in general, just having yeah. to do anything like at this point, like we, like I say, we uh, so we'd flown into the uh, last time we traveled, we went to somewhere not near the Los Angeles airport. It was further than we thought, but you know we flew to Los Angeles, which is like an hour and a half hour really flight. And it's like, you know, you have to really do, this is also very true in the Eastern, on the East Coast. There are times where if you really account for all the time it really takes, including getting to the airport, including TSA, including calculating for delays, there's so many times where it actually might be less stressful and and even faster to drive.
0: Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of the time, like you're there and you're like, you know what? I'll have my car. I'll have my stuff. I won't be waiting around. There can't be a cancellation if it's my own vehicle. And you're like, you know, because and if you're like me, I'm as much better. I mean, I used to be afraid to fly. I used to hate any kind of travel. I've gotten over that, and I feel very good about it now. But I still tend to get to the airport. Earlier than I should. Oh, be in Oh, I, I
1: get there so early, so early. Yeah,
0: and I, I yeah. you know, and like, I don't, I don't mind flying out of Austin because we've got good restaurants and barbecue and other things in 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 there to eat, and it's decent to hang out in there. It's a pretty chill airport. So, like, okay, fine, I'll get there early, but I'm still like, if I'm flying out at ten, I'll be at the airport between eight and eight thirty, and mm-hmm. and so if you consider that plus the time to get to the airport and park and ride the shuttle and get in the thing, all of a sudden, like, you're hour and a half flight is actually like five hours of travel. And you could drive there exactly. in
1: five hours and when, 15 and again, minutes. So, so this, this leads into this further into this calculation of like, look like, that I talked to Syracuse about, it's like, you know, what airline, what, you know, how long is the delay? Is it, is it a tight connection? Is there a chance, you know, you start getting into the, I think entirely rational speculation of saying, well, if that connection is 40 minutes mm-hmm. at Newark, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, really. Because really you bad. know you're going to have to ride a bus, and you know, because that, that is literally how you get from terminal to terminal, mm-hmm. is going and waiting for a bus to take you to another terminal. Mm-hmm. And if it's 40 minutes and it's United, like, there's a real good chance you're going to not get your luggage. So you have to factor that in. You also just have to factor in the X factor of, like, who knows what could go wrong here. Could this summer, oh, my God, this past summer, I just had the most brutal experience flying to and from, Um, Rhode Island. It was so bad. This cascade. I I might have talked about it here. I don't remember. This cascade of delays that was just like so awful. I felt utterly, it was a John Roderick-like situation where a typical United thing where I just felt utterly uncared for. Mm -hmm. And if I had not been flying business class, I'd upgraded to business class because it was going to be on this really nice plane and I thought it was worth it. Um, If I had not been upgraded, I would not even I I I might still be in Providence at this point. <laughs> it's like John Mulaney says. Yeah. You know, you go and you just let them treat you anyway, like you're like well, like a like a young Motown star. It's like, <laughs> can I go home on a plane now? No. And we're gonna frame you for murder, and you're gonna go to jail <laughs> for thirty years. Okay. Right. Okay. Um. Anyway, uh, travel. Well, we're gonna do a travel episode. I wrote it down. It's right here. Now we have to. Uh, Why don't you tell me about a second thing you like?
0: I would love to tell you about Molecule, which is air purification that has been reinvented for every room in any home. Molecule has reimagined the future of clean air. They looked at the purifier and said, you know what? We're not just going to improve on some existing technology, something that's outdated, something that's been around since the 1940s. We can do better than that. And, and what I'm talking about specifically is what most people have heard of when they think about filtration, they think about the HEPA filter. This is HIPA. this HIP, HEPA hip, and basically that works by pushing air through a filter and that filter picks up particles and other things that are in the air and it spits the air back out and that those particles have been captured in that filter. And then after a little while you, uh, you, you, clean the filter or you replace the filter. That's fine. But there's a better way. Wouldn't it be nicer if we could actually destroy the air pollutants at a molecular level and removing them from the air you breathe, not just by collecting them, but by destroying them? And that's what Molecule does. It uses something called pico technology, P-E-C-O, to destroy VOCs, bacteria, mold, viruses, other allergens. And this is a big breakthrough. It can destroy pollutants that are a thousand times smaller than what a HEPA filter can capture, and that's a big deal. I mean, it's not just things like pollen, uh, which is destroying pollen. Uh, mo- molecule can destroy pollen. It's not. It's not just allergies. It's you know what I'm saying it, there's a lot more to it. And HEPA filters, they're the same filters that people have been using for seventy years. And we've come out with better technology than that. And that's that's what Molecule wants to use. And they want to introduce it to you in your house because cleaner air is healthier air. You know, most of the problems that people have are not from being outside. They're from being inside. It's from things like mold and other things like that. And if you have pets, there are allergies from allergens from your pets. And, you know, this is this is real technology. It has been vetted by third-party labs like University of Minnesota Particle, Calibration Laboratory, Intertech, and there's other ones that have worked on this and and shown that this actually works. And anecdotally, I can tell you that since we've had it in our house, it seems like I'm not having allergies the way I used to. It seems like my kids aren't. It seems like we're sick less. But in general, it feels like they're... is cleaner and uh, and it, it might just do the same for you. It's certainly worth a shot, especially if you suffer from allergies or asthma or have pets or or live in a place where, you know, you're exposed to air pollutants. All of these things can be really, really improved by molecules technology. So if you would like to get 10% off your first air purifier order, you can go to molecule.com and it's spelled with a K M O L E M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E, K U L E Molecule M O L E K U L E dot com and use the promo code back to work ten and you will get ten percent off your first air purifier. Back to work one zero. We'd like to say thank you so much to Molecule for making this show possible.
1: Thanks, Molecule. Buck buck. Um, do you want to talk about your Synology? I would love to talk about the Synology. Oh my gosh. I would love to. Yeah, do that. Have you done? Uh, have you done some new things with it?
0: Yes, I have done a lot of new things with it. And hold on, let me um, let me see if I can get to my. I probably yeah. can. You go get ahead. You go
1: ahead and you go ahead and do that, and I'll I'll, I'll do my one other uh, final odd or so. All right. Yes. I saw I saw the most interesting thing that um, John Gruber uh, retweeted today that I just wanted to point you all to. It's one. Of, it's a feature for iOS that is an accessibility feature that I, uh, I remember when they introduced this on stage, probably at uh, dab dob, but uh, <laughs> it's called voice control and a uh, dob, and the voice uh, control. That's what we do it.
0: on this, on this show to our listeners.
1: Oh, that's right. It's called ASMR. Yes. Financial domination. And oh. and so what, what you do is you give voice control and you turn it on. And if you go check out show notes for this episode and you'll see some links to that tweet, um, and But also, like, how to turn on voice control and what you can do with it. And, like, so many accessibility features. My kid and I were talking about ramps the other day. And, and, and like, how, or, like, like at our local, like, KFC where they had to install a miniature elevator because there was not enough, you know, not enough of a footprint to have a ramp where they right, are. Right, right. And just talking about, like, it's a classic post-Zeldman world, right? Accessibility harms no one and helps everyone. Like once you get the stuff going, like accessibility is the best because everybody needs it. If you don't need it now, you're going to need it tomorrow. But also if you don't need it, shut up because somebody else does. Be cool about it. But it is amazing how many things that start as accessibility, quote unquote, accessibility features are actually brilliant uh, technology, whether that's one of the basic tools like a ramp (laughs) or whether that is voice control. But voice control is essentially a thing that lets you talk to it's it's different from Siri. Uh, I believe it is, but it is something where I think it's maybe even constantly listening. The mic, anytime the phone is the screen is on and you can just tell it what to do. Looking at the screen, you're right. not going into a separate, you're not hitting the escape key to go into Siri mode. You're saying, go to this page, select number three, do this thing. Um, and I just wanted to mention this to people cause I forgot about it. I have not, I have not tried it. I turned it on for a second this morning, but I realized I wouldn't have time to mess with it. Um, I would just say, check it out because it, it's, uh, it, not least because it's just a very interesting piece of technology, but, um, uh, voice control, I think it's worth looking at voice control. Did I buy you time? You sure did.
0: And, uh, and mm. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. So one thing I want to do is I want to shout out to one of our listeners, uh, who, After they heard me talking to you and we talked about which Synology I was getting and I wound up getting, I forget the number, but I got the one with six bays and loaded them up with four gig drives. Um, That was great. But one of our listeners, uh, I don't know if they want to be anonymous or not. So I, you know, I won't, I won't say who they are, Mm -hmm. but I'll say one of our amazing listeners uh, messaged me on Twitter and said, you know what? I've got one of the tour bays. I've got an old model of the two bay. Like, I don't know how old it was because it looked brand new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, it's been sitting on my shelf. I'm never going to use it. It literally is just taking up space. Do you want it? And I said, <gasps> heck yes, I want it. Um, let You know how much? And do, he's do you know like, which model it is. I can I can find. Sorry, I'm sorry, that I'm sorry
1: to interrupt you. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You're in the middle of a story, and I interrupted you. I apologize.
0: No, it's okay. You said, I, you
1: said how much do you want for it?
0: I said how much do you want for it. He's like, I, I don't want anything for it. I said, can I, let me pay for shipping. He's like, sure, you can pay for shipping. I'll send it out in you know a day or two. And he sent it out, and it was it, it's, it's. I'll look it up as soon as I um, trade mics with you, and and you you respond. I will look it up. It's a white one. It has two bays, and it is. Um, it is noticeably the user interface and by the way there's so i want to walk people through why i'm so excited thanks to you about synology as like a company and what mm-hmm. they're doing and how cool the things are that they're doing i kind of want to explain like what it really is and how it could really help people because i think mm-hmm. more people need to know about this if if this had been kind of just on the periphery of my radar and i'm like a nerd who knows about storage i mean i used to manage data centers where we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on storage solution every year. You know, I'm talking about like Semant- Semantics Veritas and and um NetApp and all those companies back in the day um of all their storage stuff, it's you know it's such a different place now. And and if I didn't know about this, I know there's a lot of people who could really benefit from it. But what what I will say is thanks to him for sending this to me. I got it. I set it up and what I was going to mention was it is noticeably slower on the interface part, not in, in serving files, but but like when you're on the interface hmm. and doing stuff, than the new ones. And I think the, the more you spend, the better the CPU is inside
1: of this thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so
0: the more it can do. And if you think of it in terms, and this is kind of how I want to walk people into this. I don't know what your agenda is for talking about Synology, so I don't want to overstep, but You know, if I can dive in on this, then you, you know, maybe you can run with it. Please do. I
1: know we're here Um, to hear uh, hear your experience. Yeah. So, so basically,
0: I think most people are familiar with having an external hard drive that you can put stuff on or, or 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 use. And I think once people start getting into doing real multimedia work, where they're doing audio, video editing, you very quickly find that these files take up so much space, hundreds of gigs, and all of a sudden you're like, "That's not going to fit on the little hard drive in this laptop or on my even even on your high-end Mac pro, you might say, "I don't just want this on the SSD drive inside the machine. Um, I want redundancy. I don't want to lose all of my work." or even if you're just backing stuff up to a drive or you want to serve that data on the network, there are so many different things that that you wind up saying, I need some kind of external storage for. So I think a lot of people are aware of the idea that there is some box that you can plug into your computer that gives you storage and uh, and and more place to put stuff. But the Synology is different in that, yes, it, it could be connected with a computer, I guess, but what Synology and other other companies in the NAS space, NAS stands for Network Attached Storage. And the original idea behind this was, Everyone always had a server. You'd go and set up a server, so you'd have to spend money on the server, buying the server, configuring the server, hardening the server, uh, and then you would go and buy drives that would either go inside of the server or sit on the rack in a special rack chassis and connect to the server externally. And this was fine, and this is what we did for a very, very, very long time. And then somehow companies woke up to the fact that we were all doing that and said, well, you know what? If all you're using that server for is serving files, and you're serving files in the main ways that they're served these days, which is uh, SMB for uh, Windows and and nowadays Mac, that's actually the default thing for Mac, um, AFP, which is Apple File uh, a- at Protocol, which is the way that you share files on just Macs, and, uh, and then, of course, the old standby uh, NFS, which is network file storage or network file system, which is... Um, what happens in the unix linux type world where you have servers that can share entire drives or folders or directories as we call them in unix uh to a variety of other machines those machines can then mount the drive and it looks like a local drive to the machine this goes back in the i mean i remember back in the gosh late 80s early 90s at school and then in my job once at once i had graduated um You know, we had a a file server in the corporate office in the data center there that I ran, and that and everybody's home folder, home directory, where whether they were in my office or, you know, in the Dulles office or wherever, uh, it would mount that drive and they would get their home directory whenever they logged in on any computer. They had their home directory with all their stuff in it, their config, their files, everything. And that all took place automatically with home automatic. NFS mounting for your home drives. I mean, this that that technology goes back a billion years. And so the the people who are making NAS devices said, you know, this is mainly what people are doing, we're going to give you a box. That box is going to be a closed system and it's going to have a ton of hard drives in it and you turn it on, you can figure it on the network really easily and then like that's it, you don't have to do anything else. It's all here. You don't need a server to connect it to. You don't need an individual machine to plug it into. And it's limited in speed based on the hardware that you have, whether it's the drives or the CPU inside the NAS device or based on the speed of your network. So it's never going to be as fast as a directly connected, very high bandwidth device. So if you're doing you know, audio video editing and you've got a 100 gig movie that you're editing, it's, you're not going to want that on the NAS that's you know down the hall in the server room, uh, but you would want that on a, a RAID connected device. And there's different kinds of RAID. And what is RAID? RAID is a redundant array of independent disks. And basically, what this means is you've got a bunch of hard drives. We're going to do something with them more than just give you a bunch of hard drives. We might be able to combine them into one big hard drive with no redundancy. And the benefit of that is it's a lot faster to do reads and writes because those reads and writes can happen simultaneously across different drives. So you're not waiting for the drives to spin as much to get that data for you. But there's no redundancy to that, which means if one of those drives fail, it's the same as a drive failing mm-hmm. in real life. You lose everything. And so and
1: that's, where, that's where mirroring comes in?
0: That's where mirroring comes in. And, um, and if anybody's... I'll, I'll put a... Um, I'll put a note into our show notes uh, explaining what the different RAID levels are because mm-hmm. it goes, there's there's um, there's RAID, RAID... Like
1: RAID 0 is nothing, right? Is, yeah, no RAID 0
0: is what they call striping where you're increasing performance but you've got no redundancy. But that's perfect if you're live streaming, if you're doing something where you need insanely fast reading and writing. RAID 1 is disc mirroring. So you get fault tolerance, you get really easy recovery, and you get actually really good read performance because you can read from both drives at the same time. But Mm -hmm. you're cutting down whatever amount of storage you have by half because it's mirrored. So if you put in two four gig drives, you don't get eight gigs; you get four gigs because it's 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 mirrored. Um, And so even if you put in you know sixteen gigs, you're gonna or or sixteen terabytes rather these days then you're going to get back half of that because half of, of that is being used for uh, just for mirroring the data. And then you get into the good raids, which is like raid 5, which is one of the most common ones, where you, you're writing data, what they call striping data, across multiple disks. So that means that if you're getting the fast performance for reading and writing, but your parity information is going to get stored on a mirror, So basically, and don't ask me how parity information works, but basically think of parity information as like there's a little bit of data that describes bigger data, which is stored across multiple disks in redundancy. So if you lose some of those disks, that parity information is spread across blocks across multiple disks, so you're not actually losing the data at all. And so RAID 5, you've got the disk striping with the parity or the mirroring, RAID 6 is kind of weird because it's more reliability. There's an extra parity block. I don't really do with that. And then the last one that people need to know about is something called RAID 10, which is where you get the mirroring that you get with RAID 1, the striping of RAID 0, and the redundancy uh, of, of RAID 1, but the performance of RAID 0. So this is where you need security, you need redundancy, and mm-hmm. you need speed. And... um and the, compared to the cons of RAID 5, which has disk striping with parity, the more write operations you do, the less efficient it's going to be. But of course, when you get into RAID 10, it's more expensive because you need more drives to make that work. Long story short, um, NAS devices almost always have one level of RAID going on behind the scenes because they're trying to provide that security and the redundancy and so everyone the drobos famously have their own kind of um i don't i mean it's raid in that you can remove drives and replace drives Mm -hmm. when they go bad one of
1: the drives dies you can pop a new one in and it'll heal it takes a while but it will heal
0: it will heal um what synology does and i'll I'll talk about synology as a bigger picture excuse me in a second but um what Synology has is their own technology. They call Synology Hybrid RAID or SHR. And basically, it's it's just the RAID that we talked about. And depending on how you configured it, they have their own different RAID levels that they have. You don't have to use that. You can turn it off. You can do basic you can oh uh, the one i didn't mention is one called jbod which is just a bunch of discs i'm not making that up and that's not that by the way that's not i've never to, heard of that that's not specific to synology that's that's just like yeah that's like below raid zero basically but and they go they they have raid zero one five six and ten And, um, and you, so you can go in classic raid where it just mirrors it. And that's pretty much what people are doing with the smaller synology, like the two base synologies, you're basically getting raid. And what that raid, uh, I'm sorry, raid, um, with one disc redundancy so that if you, if one of those hard drives fail, you put two, four gig drives in, you get four gig back, it's just mirroring. And if one of those drives fails, then your data is still there and you can replace the broken drive with a new one. It'll copy the data back over for you and nothing's been lost, but it's not going to be fast. It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to have 20 people serving data off of that. To get that, you need to go with, with increased striping. And anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll put a note in the link in the show notes for this too. So people can, because it's the way I'm explaining, it's fine, but you'll learn a lot more if you actually read about this if it's interesting, but the simple way to think of it is configured in the default way, Synology is going to preserve your data. That's what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. It's designed to make it fast, but it's also designed to preserve it. And and so that's what the Synology device does. You get it, you plug it into your network. It takes a few minutes, but uh, it configures itself based on the drives that you put in. It's on your network, and you interact with the whole thing using a web interface that is unlike most web interfaces in that it is like you're using an operating system that lives inside of your browser. There are windows that you can um, enlarge or, or minimize or close, and you can drag them around and resize them. Uh, it's not like web forms like we're usually used to. It looks it looks like an operating system. You can even control, um, you can have windows that overlay each other and modal dialogues and all of this stuff. And the reason I mention that is it's a very different approach than most people are used to, especially if you're used to configuring your own home router or something like that. It's very, very different than that. It's not just filling out web forms and that's nice. And it feels very snappy. Even on the older Synology, it feels very snappy. Um, But where the Synology gets really cool, isn't just that it's prosumer grade hardware. Uh, It doesn't feel cheap. It feels really good. Um, It's, it goes beyond that in that there is a lot that you can do with this thing because they've made it, they've opened it up in a way that I think is, this is where the magic is. They allow you to do pretty much anything with your Synology device that you want. You can even get a terminal and a prompt if you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, but if you're not interested in that kind of stuff, and I think most people probably aren't, there are tons of these packages uh, that, that they have that you can just install from default, they're provided. They're not necessarily
1: owned by Synology, but they're configured and and provided by Synology. They've got they've got a bunch that are like standard, made by Synology. Right. And then they've got what's called community, where you can go in and say, like, we'll show me all these all that are available from uh you know, they're publicly available to people. That's where you can get into stuff right. like Plex and Things like that. It, you know. Exactly, exactly. And so like uh, Plex, the software that,
0: um, that you also introduced me to a few years ago is wonderful if you have a lot of home media that you want to share. Um, and so I'd always had a machine that was so at home. I had a, a Linux server that I'd had running for many years, a uh, really, really big machine with tons of drives in it. Uh, and every time I would run out of space for my media, I would go and get a new external hard drive and plug it in and format it and mount the drive and you know tell give that a, a, as the new location to store my media. And this was just getting very irritating. The upside of it was that it could do other things as well. Uh, and I you know, like like running Plex and and other software that connects to Plex. And so I was very hesitant to try this because I thought, well, you know, what about the CPU? Because there are very, very frequently times when I'm watching something, my wife is watching something different with my daughter and, you Mm -hmm. know, like my son is on his iPad watching another thing. So like, it's, we're, we're, we're serving a lot of media at all times from that one device. And so when i got this analogy i i made sure to get the the bigger one that you helped me re- that you recommended and then i um i said well i'm going to do some tests and i actually had a couple people who weren't even in my house uh connect to my plex and stream data stream a movie or something from it and um you know and and so when you're when plex is serving it's not just streaming a file if it was just doing that then it would be more of a bandwidth kind of thing like can I access the drives fast enough to serve this over the network if I'm spinning up multiple things? And even a even a dumb old machine with really fast drives should be able to do that. But there's more that's going on with Plex. It's actually encoding or re-encoding the, mo- the movie or the film or the video or whatever it is that you've uploaded to it. So if and, – and it's doing that based on the bandwidth needs that are – That it's trying to fulfill. So if you're sitting on the same hardwired Ethernet connected network as your, um, as your Synology, you would expect to be able to watch it in the hot, whatever the quality was that you encoded your, your movie. And if that's 4k, you should be able to watch it in 4k, right? But, but uploading that stream and converting it so that the person like me sitting in my hotel room and I feel like watching, you know, Beetlejuice, then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to get a different version of that. And the, the Synology or the server, in, case, uh, in, in, my old, in the case of my old situation, is going to have to convert that as something that I can receive here. It might have to downscale it down many, many, many steps. And the more you do that, I mean, it's basically re-encoding that video file on the fly as you watch it. And so if you have multiple streams, it will even downgrade it if you're in a slower Wi-Fi network speed. So it handles this stuff beautifully. I was really surprised at how well it did it. Um, It works really, really well. So now instead of having to have a big server at home, I don't need a server at all. Um, I can just have the Synology sitting there doing its thing and all of us can be doing the things that we want to do. But there's so much more to it than just Plex or serving media. For example... Um, it's very, very easy to set it up to do something like Time Machine Backups. Uh, it actually has, mm-hmm. there is a Time Machine service that you can enable and you basically just go in, you create a, a shared folder, I call it something like, you know, and they have tutorials for this, you'd call it something like Time Machine Backup Folder and then you make a Time Machine user with a username and a password and then anyone on, on your network, um, can this will advertise as a Time Machine Backup service and all the Macs in your house and all your devices that can do a Time Machine backup, you can just set them to backup to that, and it, then it just works. And now you have Time Machine backups on your under your own control right there on the drives. Um, there's something like that for Windows. Um, it's not called Time Machine, and you don't need to have a service on the Plex to do it. Uh, but you just basically set up this remote drive, and your uh, your Windows machines can back up to it. And for things like Linux, of course, you can just use rsync and you can NFS mount. So I have uh, several partitions that are NFS mounted by my little small Unix server at home, which is uh, my Minecraft server and a couple of other things. And uh, and I also have it doing. You know, I have my remote systems doing an rsync to it, so that it basically is just it's just a machine that that seems to have drives and. It mounts the drives and it just works and it's beautiful. But there's tons of other kinds of software that you can use. There's, um, there's software that they made called Download Station, which is like a web-based application that allows you to download files from the internet, whether it's over HTTP or NZB files or whatever, and subscribe to RSS feeds and it keeps everything up to date. And they've got – they've really, really thought of everything every kind of package that you could want. And they've worked really hard. I mean, you can get the Apache server for it. You can get, they have these, um, something called, uh, that's pretty cool called, uh, cloud sync. So you can sync Mm -hmm. and share files between your Synology and public clouds like Dropbox or Google Drive so that you can have your Dropbox, on essentially automatically synced to your Synology drive, which is really cool. There is a DNS server for it. You can run Docker images on it. You can they they have a solution that essentially is Dropbox. I forget what the name of this one is. And I haven't started using it yet, but where you can basically it's Dropbox, uh, but it's your own is it Dropbox. A file it runs,
1: is it File Station or a, a I, different it's,
0: one? Let me see. I'm looking at File Station f- description.
1: There's, I mean, so many of the Synology, there's a drive server is really cool. Synology drive server will um, let you, um, it's a little bit tricky to configure, but you can basically do your Mac stuff automatically. I mean, there's so much stuff where between hyper backup, cloud sync, drive server, and uh, shared, or rather file station, there's so much stuff where you can like just, like you just, you know, hook these two things up to each other and it will just do stuff for you. It's, (laughs) It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's, it's kind of the most basic stuff, not basic, but the, it's the, it could seem like table stakes. Like this is why you buy something like this is to have this stuff happen. But if you really, if you don't mind getting your hands a little bit dirty, you can, you can ma- basically make your own, uh, Google Suite with this, you could certainly, as you say, make your own Dropbox and you can automate a lot of it. This this is one of those things where like in, in, in deciding which one of these to get and what to do with it, I encountered friend after friend who all said, I know I can do this, but I don't know how I did it. Right? It was so long ago that they set it up and it just works like a utility now. And it really is very powerful. It's not, it's not cheap to get started with. But like if you, if you want a project that will pay dividends for you over time, I think this is a very good one.
0: Totally agree. And very well said. And you know, one last thing I wanted to mention that's really mm-hmm. cool is, you know, everyone who tells you to back stuff up also should be telling you to back up your backup. And mm-hmm. you yeah. know, for, for me, this is actually primary storage for like my household. And I, now that I have the little one at work, it's there too. Um, And so, what that means is, like, my kids are saving their files to this. Like, we're putting our pictures on this as well. And and so, how do you handle that? Well, of course, um, there is a way that you. There's a package for that. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a package for that, and you can, you know, the the destination of your choice, whether it's Amazon S3 or Dropbox or Glacier or something else. You basically configure the Synology with one of these packages, and it will back itself up. To these remote services, and of course, it does it in a smart way, so that if a file gets changed, it changes it, you know. And, and but like now, your backup is backed up, and you don't have to think about it. And that's the whole thing is like we know if it's left to just me to remember to back something up, I'm going to forget mm-hmm. it. I'm not going to do it. And um, and they and and they even have really cool stuff where they have something called um, uh, snapshot replication, which is uh, basically it has what's called point in time. Copies. So this is more for businesses typically, but a lot of the time, it's you know you may have edited a file and then changed it later, so and you like want versioning. to go back. So it is. It's exactly what it's like. It's like versioning. And there's so many of these. You could spend all day. And these are just the ones that have been put out by Synology itself. You can go to the what they call the Syno community, which you were talking about before. And if you enable that, it allows you to install what is essentially third-party software. And, I mean, there they've got tons and tons and tons of stuff that you can do. All kinds of, you know, Unix-type software stuff you would install on a server. I mean, they've you can host your own Git repositories on it. Mm-hmm. You can cut. They have all these applications that are like... If I I don't know anything about NZBs or torrents, I don't even know what those words mean. But they yeah. have software that that does that stuff for you. There that I have no experience with, but I'm well understand basic works stuff, really well.
1: I, I um, I've heard those. I don't know what those letters mean. But the the other thing is, I mean, like if you want to install something like, um, so you get Docker and Docker can install Docker packages. But something that or something I installed. I forget what. And it's like, oh, uh, you need Python for this. Should I get you Python? Yep. So now Python package is installed. Uh, Ditto for there's something where I need a PHP 7. And it's like, you want want me to get that for you? Yep, PHP 7. And and like any package manager, it'll keep that updated uh, for me which is really cool. I've got Mono, Python, Node, one of these needed Node, so it installed Node. And then that all just lives in your package center, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, it's all taken care of for you. I mean, Docker alone is pretty powerful. Like, the stuff that you can get happening with Docker, um, I've recently, I got in the fear a little bit about media, and so I've been ripping some of my Blu-rays using uh, Handbrake. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: believe it or not, you can get Handbrake as a Docker package. I have not gotten it to work because I don't know. I've, I've tried it just as an exercise. I was like, I wonder what that's like. And you get this weird, uh, you can ring the bell, Syracuse, a swing-like interface for uh, interacting with Handbrake. Um, but, but that's what we're talking about here. You can run a VPN server. What are some of the other things? USB copy is really cool. Um, and like I say, it's all automated. So like, I need to upgrade what's happening with my internet. I need faster... I, you know, I get 10 megabits up at both office and house. Nice. Which is comical. Well, no. Yeah. No, 10, it's better. I get five up. at my office, dude. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Versus 300 down in both places. Yeah, same
0: for me. I get, I get like 200 down at the office, 300 down at home. And uh, so, up is like
1: five. Uh, and like, so there are services like, how oh, what is the name of their service? They have a service. You've mentioned that you can use AWS, you can use Dropbox, you can use, you can, and you can get into some fairly heavy hitters if you would like to um, back up and you get an encryption key and all that stuff. Good stuff. Um, If you want to, so right now I am only backing up my Synology locally, which is not enough. I would like to also have a cloud backup, but. I it would be very costly and time-consuming for me to get that up into the cloud. It would be very mm-hmm. disruptive to what I'm trying to do here. So um, I should talk to my, I have a Comcast rep that somebody was kind enough to help me um, get, and I just want to talk about that. But here's the beauty part. Whatever it is you do, let's just repeat this. It it does, it makes it easy to install the stuff that you want. And then there's so much stuff where it's fairly easy to automate. So like I get a nightly incremental backup of my Synology To a little Western Digital that I've got hooked up to it, and we mentioned before, you can also you've got a total of three USB ports at least on the one I've got. I've got three USB ports, four Ethernet ports, Um, and so I've got. uh, There's got it's got a very convenient USB on the front if you want to do a USB thing on the front. So one of my USBs goes to that WD uh, Western Digital drive. The other, as I said, goes to my um, UPS because yes, guess what? It integrates with your UPS to do a gentle, graceful shutdown. Uh, if you don't have power for n minutes, um, mm-hmm. which I think is great, I think it's I think that's so cool. Um, so it's I don't know. I mean, I, I, the, uh, it's it's a little bit costly to get started with this. I mean, it's it going to be no, a few really hundred is. bucks. Yeah, it's going to be a few hundred bucks between the Synology or the NAS of your choice, and then the drives that you need plus a spare drive at least t- the disk drive to have around. Um, but there's so much you can do with this, and I mean. My first goal with this was to be able to get my media onto here and have a Plex server. Everything else to me was gravy. And I did get that set up, and now I'm doing other stuff. But you do need, let me just say this, you need a project inside the project, I feel like. So have a need that you are immediately, or in the near term, trying to fill with the Synology. A time machine backup is a very totally cromulent project. But you need a project inside the project. There's the project of, here is Synology, um, where I fell short before when I had the D- 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 S- DS216 Play. I originally had a two-drive Synology, which I still have here and still working and mounted right now, but I haven't figured out... I never figured out what to do with it because there wasn't enough space to go crazy. Now with the six discs, of which I have, I think, five in the five bays filled, um, there's so much more that I can do, but it is valuable to have a goal. I did not have enough of a goal with this smaller Synology that I used to use primarily. Right. But once you've got a goal, you have a reason to learn how to use it. This sounds, might sound kind of silly, but it's a, this is a terrific way to waste a ton of money and time unless you have um, you know, a, a task that you're trying to accomplish. Now, here's the cool part. You've got, in my case, I've got the, you know, the setting up Plex project. Right. Well, I learned, a, I learned enough getting that set up to get comfortable with the interface... Which is a little bit c panel-ish, but mm-hmm. I got comfortable with the interface to where now I wanted to do other things with it. I got a little more confidence, a little experience under under the belt. And so uh, I think that's a good idea. Like what get more than you think you need in terms of space. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. This is not the if you're gonna buy this thing, it's it's the wrong thing to economize on. <laughs> like the worst possible outcome is like sort of like what I had with this two this two bay. Uh, one that I used to use, which is I spent enough like uh, a frustrating amount of money to get this thing and then not use it. You want this to have so much extra space on it that you never in a million years could imagine filling it up. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do this, you might as well do it. Go all the way, go big. Yeah, it's the wrong time. That's the wrong place to economize, I feel like.
0: And there's a process if you want to upgrade it, but what you don't want to have to do is go in there with like... Well, you, I, I went and got, you know, I got six two gig drives, okay. And in a well, year like imagine, and a half, imagine back in the up. day
1: when Apple, when Apple would let you buy an iPhone with sixteen gigs of storage. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna buy an iPhone, I mean, shame on them for that. Those dumb options. What well, was like at one point wasn't it like 16, 128 and two fifty six or something like that? Yeah. Shame on them for even selling a phone at that size. But you know. There's the only thing worse than, you know, one thing much worse than spending $700 on this project is spending, say, $400 and getting something useless.
0: Totally agree. That's that's
1: the thought. And now, now, now if you do want to economize, let me just tell you, if you haven't bought a hard drive recently, holy Moses. I mean, these WDs that I've gotten, um, I think, God, the last one I got, I think was eight terabytes for like 140 bucks. That's crazy, isn't it? The prices aren't, well, I'll, I'll double check that. When you, have, you, you tell me about something you like and I'll, I'll give you a couple ideas for ways to economize um, if you don't want to spend or can't spend this much money. But, um, so anyway, to just close the thread though, exciting project. We'll, we'll both be doing more things with this and talking about it. But uh, it sounds like you're giving it a thumbs up. After I definitely give it a
0: thumbs up again. And I didn't talk a lot about the hardware of it itself, but I would referred to it as prosumer. And, and really, I'd like to be clear. There are a lot of NAS solutions and other things like that that are this thing is made really, really well. It Mm -hmm. feels like it's made very well. You know, they in at least on the six bay one that I got, it comes with one of those really nice little key locks on the front of each bay, so that they don't accidentally get ejected. I mean, all of this stuff that they've done, the way that everything fits together, the way that they they give you these little um, when you're so that you don't have to use a screwdriver and individual screws. They have these nice little plastic. snap in pieces that that let you basically you throw the drive in the tray and you snap these on the outside and it's secured like yeah uh, for yeah, the rails yeah, yeah. like all of this stuff I don't know is, what I do with my little, little key so nice.
1: I, it's not critically important but I can't find my little key do you still have your little key
0: yeah I mean uh, a little, little put key it,
1: for like locking it but it's not really totally necessary it's not like it's you know being jiggled around how do you sleep at night with knowing
0: not knowing where that key is
1: <laughs> where's my key where's my key I, I
0: got a set of two keys and um Aww. And I just have them sitting right next to the Synology so that if someone breaks into my house and wants to steal just one of the drives, have at Mm -hmm. it. You know, it's right there Mm. for them. Uh, But basically, you know, this, this, like you said, this is expensive, but it's one of those things like just do it, just do it right. And then you won't you won't have to think about it. You'll set it up. You'll forget about it. And meanwhile, Mm -hmm. your computers will be backed up. Your images will be in one place. It'll be serving your media. And um, I, I can talk at length about how I'm integrating certain services on another machine with the Synology at another time. But you can do that too if you're the kind of person who says, but I like having a server in the house. I just want to use it for storage. Well, hey, Go, go to town mount, mount the drive with nfs and uh or or smb and it and you're just fine um but you know like it's stupid if you have a kid who's got a windows pc that they use for gaming and you've got a mac how do you get a, mm-hmm. how do you get a, a file to that kid you're going to upload it to one of those like to dropbox and configure dropbox on both computers and sync like
1: that's dumb. Yeah, having all that redundant file? up and down is really frustrating. Super no frustrating. Fun at all. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about a third and final thing that you like? And I will, uh, I'm adding some things to show notes. Um, For some uh, less costly solutions that'll uh, make your life a little bit better. What'd you, you like? I would
0: love to tell you about Ring Central. This is the number one global cloud phone system. With Ring Central, you get a business phone, you get video conferencing, you get team messages anytime, anywhere on your personal phone or any other mobile device. And setup just takes a few minutes. One of the things I want to mention is that it is. So easy for customers to switch from their current provider to Ring Central. That's the key is that they've gone to great lengths to make it easy for you. You say, well, I've got this whole thing. I'm all set up with this whole thing. I don't know if I want to switch to this other thing. They make it so easy to do it. It's got stuff like built-in call routing, so you're never going to miss a call. But what's the significance? Well, you don't want to share your personal phone number or even your personal phone with your job or your work colleagues or the 50 people that you just met at a conference that you maybe don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to call you at home. Um, they they let you run your whole company off of your phone. You can connect with those customers without giving up your personal information. So instead, you're going to get a professional voicemail. You're going to get that call routing that I mentioned. You've got business SMS and MMS, but you still get all the same capabilities of your phone. You've got contact integration, so you're not transferring and worrying about that kind of stuff. It is a complete communication solution from one place, not 10 different services, 10 different bills. One place, one thing to focus on, and it integrates with all the apps that you already use, like Gmail, or if you're like me, I'm getting super into Zapier. It integrates with that. People who are out there using Salesforce or who just are married to Microsoft Outlook, no big deal. It works with all of that. It starts as low as 19.99, and you're going to save money. You can, in some cases, cut your phone costs by at least 30%. And that's a big deal. So you're getting all of that. You're also getting, like I said, the phone system. You're getting phone fax, video conferencing, and they make it easy to switch. So right now they're doing a holiday uh, bundle just for our listeners, Merlin. They can go to RingCentral, R-I-N-G, Central, Central, C-E-N-T-R-I-L, RingCentral.com slash back to work. Don't pay a single penny until 2020. That's Hmm. the deal. Nice deal. So go check it out. RingCentral.com slash back to work. Thanks very much, Central, for making this show possible.
1: Thanks, RingCentral. Bok, bok. God, I'm fighting with Amazon here, trying to get these links. Um, so, uh, as stipulated, you know, a NAS is a, what was your word? Prosumer yeah. solution. If you just need, no no, it's interesting, because you take somebody like a Marco Arment, he was just saying, he's been saying on ATP fairly recently that, clicking... Seagate, expansion, save. Um, then in some cases, he's more and more interested in just getting a big hard drive. Now, you, you can get some pretty big hard drives for not that much money. I have just put three of these into notes. I own two of these. So, for example, you can get a Western Digital. Let me read this here. Let's see. Oh, WD 8TB Elements Desktop Hard Drive USB 3.0. Uh, it's out of stock right now, but I've got, I have several of these and it's eight terabytes for 124 bucks. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Another one that is in stock. Um, wait, that's the fancier one. Also Seagate makes this one that I've had so far had pretty good luck with, which is the Seagate expansion desktop. That's eight terabytes for $139.99. Nice. um, the other one here is this uh, WD, uh, my book, desktop external, 149. I guess what I'm saying is like, if you just need some hard drives and haven't looked at hard drives in a while, like USB three hard drives in a case are pretty dang cheap. Yeah, they this are. This is, it's so wild. I mean, we had in 1991 or two, we had, so our files would get mostly manually like drag and dropped to a server on our ether on our like apple talk network um at work you drag it into your folder everybody had their own folder where they were expected to do their own backups which consisted of dragging and dropping but then every once in a while we would do this backup because what it was size what, what are we talking about you're talking about 40 40 <laughs> megabyte drive back in the day yeah so we had an optical drive and it wasn't like a cd it wasn't like well, DVDs hadn't been invented yet, but it was like this glass disc and we had two of them and they were two gigabytes. And that was, I don't even know how much that thing was. All we could afford at our big boy consulting company was two of these two gigabyte. Amazing. Um, optical media things. I don't even know what kind of technology this was at the time. But Ber- like Bernoulli, I say, Bernoulli box. Bernoulli box. Yeah. Bernoulli screws. Ber- Bernoulli. Zip jazz. Hi. Hi, I'm Zip J. Hi.
0: So I... Hi. I just want to mention, though, that that the drives that I got for the internal, I put them in the show notes again. You can just go and buy a cheap hard drive if you want. You can just go and buy a cheap Like
1: Naked naked three... Was it three and a half? Is that what that was? Yeah, three and a half
0: inch um, SATA, six gig, you know, 5900 RPM type drive. Um, But... The performance is going to be; ba- it's all based on the cache of the hard drive. So the hard drive itself is actually responsible for reading the information and then delivering that information to the 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 bus that goes into the uh, into the system. It's not just how fast the CPU is in your Synology or whatever your device is. It's also how fast can the hard drive spin, but then how fast how how much of what it of the data can it read ahead and save and serve very quickly because it's, it's instantaneous. As we know from SSDs, it's instantaneous to serve data from Ram or, or close to instantaneous compared to uh, compared to from a spinning disc. So the ones that I went with are ones that are tuned for NAS stuff. Uh, What that means is they've got, um, you know, gosh, I mean, I think, yeah, here it is. Uh, I've just put it in the show notes, 64 megs of cash, which basically means the hard drive can hold 64 megs of data. And then while it's fetching the next 64 megs and serving it to your Synology or whatever your device is. And they're also supposed to be better designed to run forever. Like they're, you know, but, um, they're just, they're really, really nice. And these are the iron wolf line from Seagate. Mm-hmm. They they have really good reviews. I used to be back in the old days. I would always say Western Digital for desktops and Seagate for servers.
1: And then it kind of flip flopped, and then both of them sucked. I used and to then, have lots of problems with Western Digital. Maybe I just got bad runs, but no, I, I used to too. have bad luck. And then and then lately they've been great. I don't know. It I could remember have just when been, you know hard drive weather.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember when Apple went with uh, they they were mainly doing Hitachi drives for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, they would sort of, it was like a white label Hitachi drive situation, but I've had good luck with Seagate's in the past, uh, for naked drives that go in a thing as opposed to, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to external drives that plug in. And for those, I still find myself going to Western digital cause I like the form factor of those better, but these drives are really cool. And I don't know how or why I know how, I don't know why, but, it actually shows when you put these drives in your Synology and you go to the screen that shows what's in your Synology, it actually shows the Iron Wolf,
1: Wolf logo next to each drive. Hmm. I don't know wow. why it does that, but I was impressed. And That's I cool. I
0: just thought it was neat.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, uh, a lot of this technology is very new to me. So, like, when I plugged in my UPS and went to the relevant area in the control panel mm-hmm. and it knew exactly like, what the model was. And if memory serves, it knew exactly what UPS model I had. And if memory serves, it also gave an estimate of how long it would be able to sustain all the stuff that was plugged in. Oh, cool. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And, right, you know, we're and running that, but, very. right. We're running very long, Dan. This is a yeah, very long episode. It's a long
0: episode. It turned into a huge
1: episode here. Who knew? Yeah. How's the air conditioning? You it good, finally then? turned off like five minutes ago. Oh, come on. Really? Yes. Jiminy Christmas. Um, so one last time, where do people find show notes for this episode?
0: Ah, They're going to go to 5x5.tv slash B as in Broadway, 2 as in the digit, Hmm. W as in Walrus uh,
1: slash 452. 452? Yeah. We did it. We did it. We did it. Um, I need a nap. I'm just, I'm I'm winded at this point. You need to lay down. I think I need to lay down. Uh, So uh, let's button this up. All right. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.